0: Alright, hello there. Welcome to Right Act, the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill. This is Renfrey Dedman. Hello. Say hello, Renfrey. Come on. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Fucking hell. Got bullied you into saying hello, and you didn't really want to talk. Then, did I you? mean,
1: in an audio format, I probably should talk. You probably should, yeah. 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 Hello. He was going, oh, I don't want to talk. <laughs>
0: No, he didn't. That's, that's bullshit. That's a completely, completely made that up. <laughs> um, so, uh, welcome to the Rioters Review. This is a podcast that we like to do on our Patreon page. Yeah. Thank you very much for your contribution to our podcast from the Patreon page. We very, very, very much appreciate that, any amount that you're giving us. If you're giving us like a quid, why don't you do the £5 pound here? Yeah
1: you doing come on we
0: do like full blown our favorite albums ever long ass podcasts over there um if anything five pound above so if you're giving us a quid or something but we thank you very much and this is our thanks for you doing that but if you want to give us a fiver or above then uh you get a couple more podcasts a month yep we don't have to we should uh anyway that's the fucking hard sell out the way <laughs> um we are doing a rioters review this week on a band that Renfrey and I have spoken about at length, um, or particularly their their, their their iconic frontman, Mark Lanigan. Uh, Max Ellis suggested Screaming Trees, Sweet Oblivion. So Mm. this was released on the 8th of September, 1992. It is amazingly, I think, amazingly the 6th studio album by screaming
1: cheese. Yeah, they had they wow, they were around for a long they long weren't, time oh, they? Like, on the, SST, mm. Mm. which is, you know, the uh
0: the the classic punk label mm. owned by uh Black Flag. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um uh but of course, for most people, screaming cheese thought of um well, either not known or thought of as one of the great lost grunge bands, I think.
1: I think it's arguable if um, Grunge have a big four, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, oh, um, Alice in Chains, do, yeah. Soundgarden, I think you could argue for Screaming Trees being Grunge's testament. It'd be them or Mudhoney, wouldn't it? Um,
0: yeah, I was going to say the Melvins as well. Hmm. I think Mudhoney are probably testament,
1: and I'd say Screaming Trees might be Exodus. Oh, come on. Well, okay, fine. I think they should be the testament. Um, I, 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 I Mate, fucking they, love screaming. They
0: trees. should. They should be the Slayer. Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah, yeah. I, t- I mean, I'm, you ain't going to like this, but I, I would happily elbow Pearl Jam out for for Screaming Trees. You're
1: right. I do not like it <laughs> at all. Um, but all of those bands had a different sort of slant on yeah. that sound that was coming out. Uh, screaming Trees was a sort of um, 60s, 70s, uh, late 60s, early 70s, psychedelia kind of thing that they kind of put into um, their music and topped off with Lanigan's phenomenal, low, growly, yeah, drawl. It was just a winning combination. It was. Um, We should probably get this out of the way, first of all uh we do disagree on something and that's the that's our favorite screaming trees record um yes. this is my favorite <laughs> mm-hmm. uh it's also the um commercial the, their biggest commercial hit
0: well yes that's that's the thing is this is if if screaming trees ever were going to get a big old shot of the mainstream and if they ever did have a moment where they were you know in part of the mainstream I guess this
1: is it, isn't it? Well, this is the closest they got probably almost directly due to a song. The second song on this album, Nearly Lost You, featuring on the soundtrack to Singles. Yeah. Which was a pretty fucking big deal. Single pretty soundtrack big deal. It's fantastic. Has has uh, wood from Alice in Chains on it. Uh, oh, fuck me. Pearl
0: Jam playing Pearl the Jam band. Plays,
1: Pearl Jam doing State of Love and Trust yeah. and um, it's got Breathe. Mm. Uh, it's got Chloe... Oh, Crown of Thorns, Chloe Dancer, Mother Love Bone, mm. Drowned by Smashing Pumpkins, which, fun ramp-free fact, my favourite Smashing Pumpkins B-side. Is it? fucking? It, it might even be my favourite Smashing Pumpkins I've not song.
0: listened to or watched singles, listened to the single soundtrack or watched singles for fucking
1: forever. The soundtrack had a deluxe re-release uh, not too long ago. It's very, very interesting. Ah, Is it's it? got uh, Birth Ritual by Soundgarden, one of their best I was going to say,
0: surely Soundgarden are
1: on it as well. Yeah, like, I mean, um,
0: all of the bands were in that film, weren't they? Yeah.
1: Um, is it a good film no it's It's not really is it it's a completely it's a completely average romantic comedy which happens to take place in seattle Mm. in the early 90s yeah and because it's if you are a fan of that period and music and of that scene which i am it's a completely average romantic comedy which every so often is buoyed by the fact that you're like, oh my god, Citizen Dick are members of Pearl Jam, yeah. and Matt Dillon. Yeah, oh my god, Allison Chains are playing. Yeah, oh my god, you know whatever. Yeah. Like, like just, it's just Cameron Crow, right? It is Cameron Crow, yes. right? Okay, yes.
0: You know Cameron Crow is my my girlfriend's favorite person ever. Really? Yes, yeah, she loves Why? Cameron Crow. She just loves him. She's like, oh, he gets it. He's like, she loves. Uh, what did we watch recently? Um, that fucking pile of crap mu- movie with um. Kirsten Dunst and Orlando Blooming that he did. I can't Elizabeth remember. Elizabeth Town? Elizabeth Town, yeah. Like, not a great film. Like She loves it. Mm. She absolutely... But then she's been living in England for 18 years and is a very patriotic American. Mm. And it's a very... It's a very nice snapshot of certain parts of America. Yeah. And there's no denying that. I uh, have to doesn't say... It does make it a great film, particularly, but it's actually a lot better than Mark Kermode makes it out to be.
1: <laughs> i have to say uh i've never really been a cameron crowe fan um bar his feature length documentary on pearl jam pj20 20. 20, yeah, which you know is amazing it, which is fucking brilliant yeah um i've always felt that he is a better documentary filmmaker than like, he almost is. famous though right um it's all right i I I, I I even almost famous i think is is uh, it's clearly his best narrative based film mm. um but uh and it's you know quite quite a, a head and shoulders above singles
0: But no, I I, I, I Good job we're not reviewing Cameron Crowe. Yeah, it is a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but, but everyone should go and see PJ20. Oh, yeah. Fucking awesome. So um, Screaming Cheese. Yes, I think you're right. I mean, I think that is one thing. Obviously, the the success of uh, Nearly Lost You from the single soundtrack probably had a a big impact on uh, the success of this record, which I believe sold in excess of 300,000 copies. Yes. Which doesn't really feel like a lot in comparison to um, some of the big, big albums of the time. When you talk about mainstream success, I know for a fact that, um, I mean, Primus were selling over a million copies around that time. And they're not a grunge band and they're not from Seattle. Uh, this is prime Seattle era. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is uh, around the time that Nirvana were knocking Michael Jackson off the top of number one and Pearl Jam were massive and grunge was grunge couldn't have been, this is the peak of grunge.
1: It was only, it was well, eight eight months after, um, nine months after uh, Nirvana, yeah, Michael Jackson off the top. So this is absolutely peak grunge. It
0: couldn't have been more perfect to be bringing out an album (coughs) of being a band from Seattle Especially a well-respected band from Seattle. Especially a well-respected band from Seattle, who had ultimately, in, in my eyes, all the
1: tools to cross over. Why didn't it happen for them? Why Steve? didn't it happen? Um, I think it is a great mystery. Um, it, is. it is often put down to the fact that the band had a quite calamitous relationship, to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, mm-hmm. they uh <laughs> we're on the brink of breaking up practically all of the time as far yeah. as i'm aware um very interestingly josh homie um played second guitar with them on their last tour mm-hmm. their tour for dust which is your yep. favorite is. um cheese trees record which is also very very good although i do prefer this one um and uh yeah josh homie used to uh, has, has said a few things about how they were just bickering and arguing all of the time Uh Uh, you know he just got out of caius and went into that and that must have been quite a difficult period for him i would imagine yeah um but um but you know i think about that and i'm like i mean nirvana weren't bickering and arguing but they definitely obviously had their problems
0: alice and james obviously alice and james
1: obviously had their problems I think, I mean, maybe it was it was probably a little bit after this, to be honest, but a couple of years later, Pearl Jam were at the brink of collapse. Yeah. Uh, they were at the brink of breaking up, certainly, with mm-hmm. Phytology. Um, so whenever I hear that as a reason slash excuse as to them not getting big, I'm always quite dismissive of it. I just don't well, think that's I, I, the reason at well, all. Well, I
0: think you have to bear in mind that I mean, this came out in 1992. Their next album was Dust in 1996. There's a four-year gap between them. That's true. And they went on an extended hiatus after touring this record.
1: Oh, between this and Dust? Yeah. Ah. They
0: actually split up. I mean, hiatus. I mean, that wasn't a thing. They didn't call it hiatus back then. You fucking split up. Mm. So they split up after this record. Oh, right. So they did, like, I think they did one sort of lap around the globe of it. And then they went, all right, fucking see you later. So... I think that probably did play a part, actually. And okay. I read an interview with them. Again, this is not that era, but I read an interview with the Screaming Trees from uh, the Dust sessions, the Dust touring cycle, when they were in America, supporting Oasis in America.
1: Were they? Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, on on Dust. And I read it and I was like, fuck me, I thought the Gallaghers were... You know, were were fucking volatile, but you know, Van and Gary Lee Connor are, are obviously brothers. That's the guitarist and the bass player. And I read that, and it's like fucking hell. They like mm. hate each other. And you add in Mark Lanigan, who is a proper te- You know, he's a tearaway. Mark Lanigan, isn't he? Yeah, he's a certainly at this time. You maybe. know, he's a uh, a fighter. He's a drinker. He's a drug taker. He's um, he's like. He's not a sensitive soul like Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder's a sensitive soul. Yeah. Lane Staley was, you know, with all due respect to him, a junkie uh, and with an amazing voice, but he never felt like an aggressive person. Kurt Cobain never felt like an aggressive person. Mm -hmm. Mark Lanigan, for all the kind of soul and sweetness and smoothness in his voice, Mark Lanigan feels more like fucking, I don't know, Henry Rollins or Iggy Pop or, you know, Somebody dangerous, like legitimately I, dangerous, like a, a, an, an angry, short-fused man. He's a redhead. He's a, got a short fuse. He's angry.
1: I think he has that aura about him. I mean, having said that, I don't think I ever saw him sort of act out in a violent manner or anything like that. I mean, there probably isn't an awful lot of footage. What well, I was going to
0: say, where, where would you have seen that? Sure.
1: Um, um And you definitely wouldn't expect it now. Um, no. I don't think but no, he's probably uh, in his fifties, he uh yeah, I'd imagine so. But yes, fine. Uh, I will I'll uh, there's a certain amount of having to take your word for it in a sense. Well the, but... the
0: feature I I read, it was in a Q, like I said it was in a Q magazine, um, and it was about them being on tour with Oasis and it was about how they were really like really struggling. Right. And it was about how kind of Gary Lee and Van Conner were at each other's throats all the time but basically the whole band were pissed off at Lanigan because Lanigan was like there was a I think I remember reading a bit where he like punched a water hole in the dressing room wall or something and just wouldn't talk to anyone all day and wouldn't turn up for sound check and was just a bit of a fucking loose cannon obviously that's years down the line but if he was like that you know in his sort of late 20s he was probably even worse in his early 20s yeah
1: I mean the split is certainly most accredited between lanagan and then the brothers Mm. you know that seems to be and then whatever drummer they had at the time just having to be either in the middle of it or just getting as far away from it as possible yeah and until he was due on stage so yeah um
0: so i I think that kind of definitely that volatility uh would have absolutely played its part into why um why the screamatories didn't break in the same way as you know, Nirvana and Soundgarden and those other bands. I think that probably played a part. I think the other thing, uh, and particularly on this record, I think the other thing, I mean, this is actually, like you say, with that kind of garage psychedelica, um, grunge was kind of high energy, wasn't it? It felt like it was a much, it it was an extension of punk rock. It was a sort of much more, high energy, clattery, loud, um new new sounding, like taking the past and and rearranging it into sounding something new. Yeah. I listened to this record and it it's it's beautifully timeless and beautifully classic it is. sounding. Yeah. In such a way that I think and I felt this about dust as well. I mean I felt it even more with dust to be honest. That it really bears very little reaction re- very little relation to what I think about when I think about the word grunge.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Mm. I would agree. I mean, um, you know, I've argued on this podcast before going right back to episode zero yeah. that, that none of the so-called grunge bands, bared any relation, relationship, relationship, uh, uh, any relation to one another musically, mm. really? I mean, no, not particularly, no. not massively, you know, this is what started the whole grunge is not a genre thing, which, mm has died out and i'm determined to bring back um but
0: grunge is not a genre but it's very nice
1: <laughs> but um you know in terms of like in terms I, I i do th- in terms of how this actually sounds it probably is one of the less sonic uh i mean extreme feels like a bit of an ott word to use in this case but one of the 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 quieter sonic albums of the of the seattle movement let's say yeah if we're if we're putting alice in chains at the heaviest yeah. end of the spectrum screaming trees are down there with i was gonna say pearl jam but pearl jam had released 10 the previous year i think yeah. 10 is a more sonic it's a rager yeah it's yeah. quite an
0: anthemic and yeah i mean when
1: you like you know
0: when you think of and when you take the biggest band from it, when you take Nirvana, like obviously Nirvana were very good at being quiet and, you know, Heart Shaped Box, that kind of quiet, quiet, loud, Heart Shaped Box, um, you know, it Come As a You a year are, later. Yeah, Come As You Are, what, yeah. you know, whatever you want to take from from those records that are the more sort of, you know, all I suppose All Apologies would be the most kind of consistently melodic song. But that wasn't out at this
1: point. Yep. Um, but they had About a Girl, didn't they? bad girl, no. Polly.
0: I suppose as well. But Polly's something in the but way. those. Th- you know, Polly is oh, but creepy, horrible. Yeah, so yeah. it's a dark song. Like as the thing about the all of those bands are with the. I think with the exception of Pearl Jam, is there's a. You know, Mud Honey um, were chaotic. Yep. The Melvins were weird. Yeah, Nirvana were savage. Alice in mm. Chains were heavy. Mm. You know, Soundgarden were bleak and mm. dark. Where does fly, fly, butterfly fly, yeah. does fit does into fit? all that?
1: that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite. It was just a, it was just a sort of ethereal psychedelicness to yeah. it, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, which is really fucking cool. And I think what makes this record all debatably that sound the most timeless grunge record of that era.
0: I, well, what I was going to say is, you could put this on today, and take somebody who has a. Very, very basic knowledge of the kind of the history of rock music, Mm -hmm. right? So from kind of the Beatles to Led Zeppelin to prog and glam rock to punk rock to new wave to thrash and then to grunge to pop punk, new metal, wherever you want, like emo and and, and beyond, right? And someone who goes, yeah, yeah, I kind of recognize like those little flags throughout history, (laughs) right? You could put this album on and go, what era? And if you put 10 on, or versus, if you put Dirt on, if you put Super Unknown on, if you put Super Fuzz Big Muff on, people go, oh, yeah, grunge, yeah. I'm not sure somebody would
1: do that with this. No, I think you're right. I think think it has to be post-60s, but other than that, pretty much any, this could Mm. have been recorded any time in the last... It could have
0: come out in the 70s, it could have come out in 2008.
1: I can't imagine this coming out in the 80s, weirdly.
0: No. Well, Tom Petty was (laughs) around in the 80s. True. You know, Springsteen was... Obviously, Springsteen changed quite a lot, but, you know...
1: Petty did as well, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I'm going to use those two artists because I think although their 80s output was much more, um, you know, sort of uh, happy-go-lucky, shall we Mm, say, mm. uh, and a bit more day-glow, I still think, you know, those artists, they, they, they had... Certain songs, which um I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound like this. Yeah, it's probably uh, the eighties is probably the least one. But then the Pixies
1: and Sonic Youth and shit like that was around the eighties.
0: I mean, the Screaming Gs were around in the eighties. They didn't really sound like this, but yeah, they were around. Um, they were
1: actually they formed around eighty five, didn't they? Eighty four, eighty five, something
0: like that. I mean, the first record comes out in eighty five, I think. I'm going to double check oh, okay. that. Yeah, so uh, probably while even earlier while I'm here. So, nineteen eighty six, Clairvoyance in nineteen eighty six. Yeah. So, you know, it's 86, 87, 88, 89. The first, so they've put an album oh, out a year. Hell of a run, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, not that any of those albums are especially great. Let's be perfectly no, honest. I was no. going to ask you actually, a year before this, so they did only have one year. 1990 was the only year in the first, sort of from 1986 to 1992, they are an album out every single year other than 1990. So they're putting out six albums in like six years, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and. The one before this, Uncle Anesthesia, mm. 1991, mm. Um, was the other one that people used to kind of talk about as a potential great Screaming Trees record.
1: I do not get that at all. No. I, I think Uncle Uncle Anastasia might even be my least favourite Screaming Trees record. Uh, doesn't bring me any joy to say that because um, a lot of the personnel on it, well, it's produced by Chris Cornell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, i think chris cornell is a wonderful multi-talented genius uh but production is not one of his strong points and i just didn't i there are a couple of good songs on it better roses is quite good um i mm. uh, can't even remember the name of the other one i like but it just it, you can tell it's it's definitely screaming trees like i mean Lanigan's voice alone yeah. m- makes you aware that it's screaming trees but it's just yeah it's just just the songs aren't as good no. as they are on this or dust yeah um, when
0: they named their like greatest hits package after one of the songs from this record so I was a bit like
1: yeah, hmm,
0: yeah. ocean of confusion is yeah. on this record and that was their sort of greatest hits thing and I was a bit like you're just kind of treating that I'm like, I've seen a few things I actually saw something in classic rock which I mean fuck me treat yeah classic rock with opinion with kid gloves I think but um classic rock had this down as their essential album
1: uncle anesthesia yeah that is mad i was like this is ridiculous that is mad i would understand i for me dust and sweet oblivion are close enough together for there to be a decent argument for either Mm -hmm. i would say yeah but anything else by screaming trees i would be like no No. (laughs) absolutely not
0: the more they bring out mark lanagan and the more they get out of his voice the better a band they yeah, are absolutely and those early albums i just think they're not making the most out of the one that the mvp in that band is yeah. mark lanagan yeah. i think they do some there's some fucking great guitar parts yeah. over those over the you know their back catalogue there are some amazing um ideas and some great kind of sonic twists and turns but all of it Goes through Mark Lanigan. Yep. It just does. Like, yep. there's, no, there's no fucking. There's no, nothing to be ashamed of. No,
1: not at all. You so know I'm... what I mean? It's
0: like. It's Actually, fucking...
1: the, there's some there's some really beautiful guitar work on this record. Um, uh, oh, fuck. What is the song where it's like. What's um, that song? Fucking. Uh, what's it
0: called? I can't remember now. Now because you've said that, you've made me want to yeah. call it Mystic River, which is, yeah, not yeah, even which a song is not the song on the album. Or. Um,
1: it's uh it's it's quite an early one it's like track four or something like that mm. and it has just this wonderful like lead part on it and stuff like lead guitar part more on or it. less more or less yes yeah. that's it um just you know there is plenty of the, the band behind lanagan are doing loads of great stuff it's just lanagan's so good mm. that you know
0: yeah he's fucking brilliant um yeah um obviously this record's really wicked and it does feel like one of the great kind of what-ifs. It's a really interesting fork in the road because I just feel like Screaming Trees would have been a band who could have comfortably traversed the death of grunge.
1: Yeah, I agree. I personally think that this record, every time I put it on, it strikes me that it sounds like it could have been a best of. I mean, it is, it's put together like a best of. And... I think if you. I feel like if you gave this to someone who was not familiar with Screaming Trees and told them it was a best of, I think they'd believe you. Yeah. Like, and you know. They'd
0: probably go, why isn't Dying Days on here? Yeah, well, no, the they wouldn't because they wouldn't have heard <laughs> Dying Days. And Dying they'd Days. They'd still know. They'd still know.
1: <laughs> you know, look, I mean, a best of Screaming Trees, that Oceans of Confusion um, best of, I've, I've never listened to it, but I've seen the track list and yeah. it's kind of ridiculous because you just 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 buy sweet oblivion and dust did like it's worth buying both of them you can find both of them super cheap in fact everyone streams everything these days so you know just treat it as a double album that's just like it's all the best stuff
0: it like, is it really it, is yeah. i mean actually when i just said oh you know i'd have screaming Cheese in a head of pearl jam it's only because i love fucking i think i love dust more than i love maybe more than any other i think alice in Chains. Unplugged is probably my favourite album out of... And that's a live album. I don't even know that counts. I think Dust might be my favourite album to come out of Seattle. Maybe in U- It's Between that and in utero.
1: Wow.
0: Um, I mean, I absolutely... You really like Dust, Oh, my you? God, I love it. Yeah. It's my top 20 albums ever. Um, This is why we should probably save the Dust chat a little bit for when sure, we do sure. it for the old £5 tier chaps. That will happen. Um, I was
1: just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are doing
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I will try and focus more on Sweet Oblivion for the moment, but um, but yeah, but you know, someone' I, I actually think overall, with their entire back catalogue, I I wouldn't knock. Pearl, obviously, I wouldn't knock Pearl Jam out for for Screaming Trees. Just gonna say, um, but I do, yeah, because I think their early stuff is, you know, you you can't get you can't get the most out of it unless you can get the most out of Mark Lanigan, and they don't get the most out of Mark Lanigan this for me is the first time where I hear a Mark Lanigan that I really, truly
1: recognize. 100%. Yeah. 100%. This is the first time like whatever he turns his voice to uh, in, on this album, he just absolutely nails it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And he just has a soft kind of croon that brings you in and doesn't let you go. And to keep, to keep people's attention by whispering rather than screaming. That's kind of what Lanigan does. You know, he, he, he draws you in quietly rather than grabs you by the throat and makes you listen. He, He makes you listen through his quietness almost. And his, he's the kind, he's the kind of guy. I imagine he's the kind of guy that like, whether he wants to be or not, he walks onto a stage and then he just instantly like fills it. You know, mm. just instantly fills the stage. Yeah. With his presence. I remember seeing him He's um, tall as well, by he's the very council. tall. Yeah. Oh. I remember seeing him with Queens of the Stone Age on the Songs for the Deaf tour, because yeah. obviously he joined Queens for a yeah, bit. Yeah,
0: he did. He was in it a long time.
1: Um and um he was obviously just backstage, just was like hanging out for, for a while whilst they were doing the songs that he wasn't on, but then they they he just sort of nonchalantly walked on to Mm. do stuff like hanging tree and um in the fade and stuff like that and like instantly like it felt like the room just changed totally you know and like he he just has that sort of presence and command um he's fucking wicked yeah i love Mark again
0: i mean we should point out whilst in talking about the uh I guess what happened to Screaming Trees and you know it's not like Mark Lanigan just fucking vanished for um post you know for for four years before Dust came out again um Whiskey for a wonderful and prosperous
1: solo career yeah Whiskey
0: for the Holy Ghost came out in 1994 yep Mad Season came out in 1995 you know he wasn't the sole lead vocalist on that record but no he he does he he does does backing vocals on a couple of songs yeah on about three three or four songs he's on that record isn't he um and they they obviously you know, re-released that a few years ago didn't they
1: that is you know what there are very 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 few deluxe reissues yada yada yada, yada which i would honestly say are actually worth it mm. but that mad season deluxe edition is one of the best yeah. i've ever bought it's brilliant the extra tracks are actually really good mm. uh and it's got a live show of theirs as well which obviously is they they played like a dozen live shows yeah. in their entire career so yeah it's fucking excellent.
0: Definitely worth picking up that if you get a chance <laughs> to go and find it. Again, whiskey for the holy ghost. I think we spoke to get into Martin, you know, we spoke about Martin Lanigan's solo career a bunch of times. We've done a
1: writers review on Bubblegum. We have, yeah. Which is his most commercially successful, successful yeah. uh, solo album. Um almost his best as well. You think it's his best I really like it, yeah. yeah it's I great. It's fantastic. Well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um so he did kind of carry on and do stuff again though, you know, it did feel like the the I mean the the boat the boat had sort of ship had sailed at that point really I think for yeah. for screaming trees like after sweet oblivion doesn't succeed and the thing is is like you know. 300,000 copies of an album now, I mean, it's nothing to be
1: fucking sniffed at at all. Oh, God, if, if an album sold 300,000 copies now, it would be hailed as a massive success. But yeah. back then, no, yeah. not really. And they were on a major. This is... Uh, no, it yeah. wasn't their first time on a major, but it was their second record on a major. And it, yeah, I
0: mean, being on the major label, being from Seattle, I think you would just naturally expect a, a huge returns, especially yeah. when the record yeah. was so good as well. I mean, <coughs> I don't actually yeah. know... How it was received. I mean, actually, looking at the, let me get it up. Um, it got four out of five in Kerrang, eight out of ten in the NME, four out of five in Q, three out of five in Rolling Stone, Wrong. twats, five out of five in Select, nine out of ten in the Spin Alternative Record Guide. I don't even know what that is. Entertainment Weekly gave it a B.
1: Spinners in the American magazine. Yes.
0: Entertainment Weekly gave it a B. plus, Yeah.
1: These are all very good reviews, bar yeah. the 3 out of 5 which e- even that isn't bad. No. Um I guess it was just maybe it was just um saturation, too much um too much at this point, too and, much grunge. You know, too much grunge, yeah. Too much um grunge. but this is a this is a diamond. This is an absolute peach of a record. Mm. Um and I do feel like there are a lot of, a lot of people out there who probably haven't got as far as checking out Screaming Trees. And you definitely should. Like, th- like both this and Dust are absolutely phenomenal records. Of they are, yeah. Both been uh, reissued themselves. I don't know yep. if those reissues are any good or not because I've not got them, but um, both reissued quite recently. Um, here's a fun little game to play. If Screaming Trees reformed today, what Ooh. venue would they play?
0: I think they could play The Forum... Yes. Which is two and a half thousand people.
1: Although I think Mark Lanigan on his own could probably play the forum.
0: That's true. But I think Mark Lanigan at this point is probably I don't I think there are a bunch of people who are not even who going to see Mark Lanigan who don't know what the screaming stream, trees are.
1: I agree with you. I think there are a bunch of people who go and see Mark Lanigan who probably haven't even heard of Screaming Trees.
0: Yeah. They yeah. probably go. He's the guy who worked with Isabel Campbell. Or the guy who worked with Duke Garwood, who was the guy who was doing a few songs with Queens of Stone Age. Yeah, they probably have absolutely no idea that he used to be in a grunge band or a punk band yep. back when he was, you know, younger. Um, but then I think there are also people who have absolutely no interest in Mark Lanigan's solo material. True, who would lose their shit at the idea of a Screaming Trees reunion. That's true.
1: Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? It is a funny one, and and, and I mean, you know. I don't feel like that about
0: many people mm, mm. where their band is it's not even like he's bigger so you know i used to be in a bit like nick cave oh i used to be in the birthday, uh, party. The birthday party but now i'm much bigger
1: yeah
0: and it's not even like a thing like you know or josh Hom, i used to be in caius and now i'm in queens of but this is so much bigger that who cares if they reformer who gives a fuck yeah um it's literally, like, two completely different sets of people. Yeah, yeah. One like who that. don't really care for his solo material. And there's a there's a middle ground where there are people who care about... But Like, we're both people who care yep. about both. We're both the middle ground. Um, but I'm sure there's, you know, his mainstream success will be an anathema to people who just listen to grunge and remember, like, you know, the sort of alternative music boom of the early 90s yeah. and there'll be a bunch of people who listen to that last album which you know sounds like all 80s kind of synthy yeah, loveliness yeah, who Somebody's looking. D- think fuck me that's the last thing I want to listen to is some like old man grunge band sure
1: absolutely
0: weird I can't think of anyone else who's like that this is going to be another one of those questions but I can't think of any other artists who I think are, are
1: quite like that I'm sure you listeners can get in touch with us oh yeah right tweet us podcast is it right act underscore podcast? I thought it was
0: at right act podcast.
1: Oh fuck it. Right at,
0: under, yeah, right at yeah, right underscore podcast. Finally, we've been doing this podcast for ages, this and the weekly one. And Bonjour's finally woken up.
1: Unbelievable.
0: <laughs> Hello, Bongi. Um, so yeah, uh <laughs> bizarre. Like I get why Mud Honey never got big. I get why the Melvins yeah. never got big. I get yeah. why Tad never got big. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I, I get why all those bands just never really crossed over. Um I do not understand why the screaming trees weren't big.
1: No, bar bar
0: bother the sort of things we said.
1: Yeah, bar bar there being too many bands of that. It's got nothing time. to do with music. It's not yeah. no, absolutely not. I think this is uh, up there with the tens and the or oh do I like it as much I, I don't like it as much as Super Unknown but the Bad Motor Fingers definitely yeah. um, you think
0: 1992 what would have been out never 10 Dirt, never mind was coming out. Bad Motor Finger um, yeah Dirt, Dirt would, probably was out probably was out by, was time, out by that yeah. point I mean Facelift certainly was yep and I you prefer know, this to Facelift yeah by a mile yeah me too yeah absolutely I do Um, so yeah like the fucking all of those bands had Records out, and mm. not many of them were. I mean, even you know, fucking core by Stone Temple Pilots were doing out around this time, probably yeah. as well. Yeah, and people were already being like, You're jumping on the band, like mm. so. The backlash mm. to grunge mm. was all so that's why I'm like, Well, this band are legit, it's mm. a sixth album, mm. you're all, all about like you know, the realness from Seattle, yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah, you know, ignoring them, mm. rubbish, weird, a weird thing. Um, but you know, I hope you will come back. And listen to us talk about Dust when we go even even further in depth to the Screaming Trees career.
1: Absolutely, because that, be a good one, that
0: will be interesting. We'll come back to Sweet Oblivion and the fact that it didn't work and did and we'll go through all this again, no doubt, in the sort of preamble to Dust. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll go fucking ham on why it's one of the best <laughs> records ever made.
1: Yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm, I'm looking forward to that because yeah. uh, I'd like to hear your arguments for it being better than this yeah
0: well you will you will and you can too if you uh, if you give us a five a month if you do that at the moment already and you're bored of me fucking telling you to do that then yeah, you know it's not obviously not aimed at you is it you fucking moron <laughs> Um and uh thanks for your money yeah but thanks for your money (laughs) um uh, and if you don't want to then that's cool too but thank you very much for the contribution you have made so that you could listen to this and thanks to max thank you max for your contribution thank you for your suggestion he's actually suggested a few more that are really really good as well so we might just do a month max ellis month (laughs) special uh because uh electric by the cult was another one that he suggested as well which is pretty fucking good so um We'll do that. We'll do that soon. Um the, In fact, mentioned the birthday party. He actually suggested a birthday party record as well, Junkyard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good shit. Uh, I'm glad we have, actually going through his Royal Trucks as well.
1: All right, let's not
0: suck off Max Alice. I'm just saying like, you know, that's a good mix of stuff. Yeah. Um But, Thanks, Max. I appreciate it. Obviously, if Renfrey doesn't. I'll make sure that your <laughs> contribution goes straight in my pocket, and I don't <laughs> split it with him. Um, but thanks very much for for that. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed that. We will see you very, very soon.